Welcome to episode 135 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review of the biggest new release, which is Christopher Robin. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley. Who is on decaffeinated coffee this week. Uh, to kick things off, though, other than Christopher Robin, Josh, what have you been watching recently? I finished West Side Story for the first time ever. Okay. Never saw the play, but I saw the movie. And I loved it. I'm a sucker for musicals, uh-huh. but it's just so earnest and fun. And there's the stage direction how to, of how they, you know, bring out the these musical numbers mm-hmm. in the city and really make you really bring you to New York in a yeah. lot of ways. So good, so cool. Um, and then every song on there, I don't not memorable to me yet. But the opening snaps uh-huh. from the Jets and the Sharks opening fight uh, is perfect. Do you have confidence now that Steven Spielberg can successfully remake it? I don't know if you can successfully remake that. I mean, if his take on it would be interesting, but I just thought it was a perfect movie. Okay. And I don't, I wouldn't want to see it changed or all. Glowing recommendation from Josh Straley. Mm-hmm. It's $5 on iTunes. Go get it. I think it's also streaming somewhere. I don't remember. Maybe it's like an on-demand thing. I don't remember. I feel like I saw it somewhere. I'll have to double check, but okay. But uh, this week I watched 8th Grade, (gasps) which was a big hit out of some film festival earlier this Mm -hmm. year. It's the directorial debut for Bo Burnham, uh, which I was surprised to find out as I was just sitting in the theater beforehand that this is the guy who was Kumail Nanjiani's best friend in The Big Sick which was uh, one of my favorite movies of last year. So when I found that, I was like, ooh, okay, well, now my interest just went up a little bit. And happy to say, the eighth grade fully delivered. Uh, the leading performance by Elsie Fisher was great. Uh, I don't know if she's done anything before. I haven't digged that much into her filmography yet. But uh, it really just captures, I feel like, what it's like to be an eighth grader, whether mm-hmm. you, even though I'm not an eighth grader currently, there sure. are still the uh, the themes and all the scenarios of awkwardness and trying to be mature, but also trying to figure out who you are. All that stuff is uh, prevalent in eighth grade, and I feel like Bo did a really good job of showcasing that, but also updating it to be like, here's how like Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube, like all of these things have changed what it's like to be a kid nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you're an eighth grader. Whether you're a parent of an eighth grader, whether you've ever been an eighth grader before, and if you ever listen to this and you're not an eighth grader, then you have. So uh, either way, there's something I think to find that you can pull from eighth grade to really uh, teach us some lessons maybe. And the relationship between uh, Kayla and her father is excellent. Just to uh, cap it off. Who's playing him? I've seen that dude's face before. Josh Reynolds or Jack Reynolds? I don't know. It's somebody Reynolds. I can't can't remember the first name right now off the top of my head. So. Josh, where can the people find us, though, on the interwebs? Oh, that's a great question. They can get um, all of our latest updates on Twitter, at Friends and Film. But for the rest of our shows, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and pretty much everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah. Um, and if you guys listened last week or if you're new to the show or whatever, uh, we introduced a brand new format. Um, just to reiterate it briefly here before we get into it, we are going to do short spoiler-free reviews and then do a, a full spoiler conversation as the main part of the review section. Then we're going to into the news section. We're going to do three main news topics, then ticket or skip it, which is briefly changed to just give a ticket to one movie instead of 
any move any move we want to we can only give out one ticket for the week and then we're bringing back the flyby to just quickly go through some news that maybe are updates on stories we've talked about before or just smaller things that maybe don't warrant an entire conversation but we still want to bring up and discuss so on that note this week's review is christopher robin the latest live action movie from disney josh what did you think of christopher robin delightful wonderful um i think you're the two big words that you're going to have come out of this mm-hmm. but it's a journey to get to those two conclusions because amazingly it took me a while to realize mark foster was directing this movie even mm-hmm. though we've talked about it and discussed it for like <laughs> three months now um but he's not known for cheery movies in mm-hmm. a lot of way of course he at least recently no finding neverland was a while ago um just in terms of when it was released and everything we've been through since mm-hmm. but it's a return to form to that form for him um, in a lot of ways. But here we kind of close out the sunny chapter of um, A.A. Milne's original books and he takes us into adulthood Mm -hmm. and it is somber and a little bit kind of dark. I mean, not only just in terms of like aesthetic of the movie, great, like the sunshine is great and hidden behind trees and lights leaking in, but it's just really gloomy and gussy Mm -hmm. almost the entire way, even if it starts off on some like really great notes. And that was like, whoa. And it tear jerks you all the way through the beginning as we kind of like follow Christopher Robin's life into or journey into adulthood. Um, there's some smiles along the way, yeah. especially when he meets um, his wife, Evelyn, who is played by the very uh, wonderful um, Haley Atwell, who is great in this film, as uh, she always is, but just not, not too much for her to do, no. which was a disappointment. Um, and I'll come to that later. But when we finally get everything wrapped up and you... He, you know, reconnects with his forest friends, mm-hmm. Eeyore, Tigger, Pooh, of, of course, um, as well as Kanga, Rue, Owl, and Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I think it, that's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it kind of it, be, it once again becomes this little warm adventure, mm-hmm. and that's where it really excels. Uh, and the only parts that I just couldn't get with was the entire ending okay christopher robin goes on this journey and we're like wow this is really pseudo not pseudo intellectual but this is a pretty slow soft kind of a coming of age or dealing with a coming of age adult story Uh in a lot of ways and i was impressed by that but then once um the action kind of settles down and there's the reunion with everybody and um christopher sort of learned his lesson we have another whole piece where they're like oh well, let's just take everybody into the uh london right and that's where i was like okay this kind of feels a little bit more run of the mill and what we learn is take a holiday not <laughs> you know some more philosophical musings on what it means to grow up and mm-hmm. deal with some harder subjects, which I think movies that like a monster calls does a whole lot better with the same material and, mm-hmm. or not the same material, but some of the same subject matters in a lot of ways. Uh, but they can't say enough about Jim Cummings poo. He <laughs> is wonderful in every way from all of his just like little pooisms, I think, or idioms that he yeah. kind of lets go. Um, you know, like it's not stress, it's poo. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, his comebacks, nothing is impossible. I do, I do nothing every day. Yeah. Like, you know, those will leave you smiling and kind of giggle in your seat. And that's what this movie 
is supposed to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of delivered to an older audience in a lot of ways, but also a reintroduction. Mm-hmm. So all in all, though, uh, I'm going to give it three and a half ticket stubs because I don't see myself revisiting this movie. Um, maybe I'll watch it again just to kind of see how it holds up. Yeah. But that's kind of where I've landed. It's It was a warm little hug, mm-hmm. and I got to see all my friends again, <laughs> but I think I've had enough for now. Okay. Yeah, I will echo pretty much everything you said um, down to the rating. I'd give it three and a half ticket subs as well, mainly because, like you mentioned, the second half or even the, the last two thirds of the movie is where you're like, man, this movie rocks. And like, you have a smile on your face basically the entire time from that point on. And, but it's that first section. You're just like, man, this is just a real downer. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't need the extended intro of Christopher Robin, um, like him going off to war. Like I feel like you could have just started it and be like, here he is just at a desk job. He kind of hates his life. And like, Adults would get that. Kids would get that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could kind of make this thing move a little quicker. But, I mean, once you get to the point where you're like, okay, now this is like the Christopher Robin that, you know, Pooh and all of their friends remember. But also I feel like people who are familiar with Christopher Robin, Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, Piglet, all these characters. Then you're like, okay, this is like, well, this is what I came to see. And I get why that they maybe try to go in a different direction to mm-hmm. – make it a little more adult and be like, all right, well, here's the journey and how this is how these characters apply to an adult situation instead of as a child, but it just didn't work as well. And then you mentioned Haley Atwell. It's like, Oh man, like she just keeps getting like nothing roles and it's, right. it's really frustrating. Um, but whenever she's on screen, she's great. And you're just like, Oh, but I, there's so much more to her character mm-hmm. that you just wish you could dive into. And it's like, Oh, maybe you could, could have devoted some more screen time to her instead of like the intro to Christopher Robin. And now he like grew up was sent off to boarding school, yep. went to war, like all this stuff that you don't really need that mm-hmm. context for to understand the story. Um, but I mean, when we get like the the estranged father daughter relationship, like that progresses nicely. Her interactions with um, the ant with the animals is fun. Mm-hmm. Anytime the animals are on screen, it, the movie's at its best. Yep. And so that's why, like, if I was rewatching this, it would be like uh, I would just like start it from my favorite scene, which I'll talk about once we get into spoilers, and then just like go from there on. Okay. And just like enjoy the ride and not and like skip the doom and gloom of the beginning so yeah uh yeah i'll also give it three and a half ticket stubs and uh we can just move on from there okay so um one thing i was very surprised to see in this movie was chris pratt where it's not the chris pratt you're thinking of but (laughs) when i was (laughs) when i was sitting in the theater the movie ended the credits were rolling and it was like chris pratt i was like no like no that, that couldn't have been right and then like, i go on imdb and sure enough there's a chris pratt listed in the cast this is like his first thing and he's just like an extra and i was like man that like really threw me for a split second of like did i miss a chris pratt cameo in christopher robin um so that was just something funny i wanted to mention um but my favorite scene okay yes please is because that's all when, i want to know is is when christopher robin is like he find he's with Eeyore and then he, he finds the hidden group of rabbit and owl and yeah. kangaroo. And um, they're like, you're not Christopher Robin. And he has to like prove that like, yeah, he's the kid that they used to hang out with mm-hmm. 30 years ago. And to do that, he has to fake a fight with a heffalump and 
it was just a blast to see you and McGregor goof yes. around, mm-hmm. have some fun, and then get Eeyore in on the, the joke and like tricking Eeyore and then tricking right. Rabbit and Owl. And this was like, mm-hmm. it was such a great sequence. That's like, like I was mentioning, if I ever watch this movie, I will start there and then just like go from there on and just have a blast for the last hour and not and like skip all like the, the setup and then also like the initial poo encounter and just like go for the joy ride. Oh, well the initial poo encounter is great. And that's it actually, is. it's actually actually one of my favorite scenes and it leads to one of my favorite lines where, um, Christopher is bewildered that Pooh could show up in London and not the cottage in Sussex. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I guess the tree is where it needs to be. Yeah. And Ian McGregor's, or Christopher says, well, that's a silly explanation. And Pooh, <laughs> like, you know, as he is, he's like, well, thank you. Like, yeah. you know, because he thought, oh, it made him laugh or uh-huh. something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's so charming. Um, and I would, man, yeah, this is... It's not it doesn't have the rewatchability of Paddington, unfortunately. No. There were definitely um, like Paddington vibes, like that yeah, second half. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as they um and also in the first journey through London as mm-hmm. um he's carrying him across yeah. and Pooh is just so cordial to everyone. He's like, You can't keep saying hello and uh Christopher has to explain, just don't be yourself. Yeah, you like, got you to play nap or whatever the yeah. game was called. <laughs> yeah, play play sleep or something like yeah. that. Play taking a nap. But he's like, you know. Be like, oh, that's my favorite game. <laughs> exactly. He's like, be a less exuberant you. He's like, exuberant. Yeah. Okay. And then he, like, he just drops to the, the side of the building. Um, and then there's all the things with the balloons. And uh, yeah, it's. But the opening, I think, is genuinely my favorite because he's also um christopher's also trying to avoid playing gin rummy with his neighbor oh yeah is, yeah uh, so i also that, that thoroughly was enjoyed that entire part uh, but yet like just to double down on what you said about atwell like the it's very much a flipping through a book in the opening mm-hmm. and that's kind of how the narrative goes and it's like cracking open the tales of Christopher Robin this time instead of the tales of Winnie the Pooh and it gives a chapter to how Evelyn goes at it alone and is the title yeah and it's like oh that's a perfect thing that I would love to explore more like mm-hmm. if they would have like devoted some time to that yeah in the opening it would have made all of it more interesting although seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi go off to fight Nazis <laughs> that I, if I can see that and Pooh Bear, all in 90 minutes. Uh, I'm having a good time. Yeah, I'm waiting for somebody just to cut out the audio of, where are my reinforcements? And, like, use that line for, like, some Obi-Wan fan-made trailer of, mm-hmm. like, you know, Obi-Wan's in the trenches and he needs some help because uh, Vader's on the horizon or something. And, um, but yeah, like, I feel like for Atwell, even if they didn't, like, show her life when um, Chris Robbins over, at, in, like, at war, like you still could have brought her into the story more where it's like, well, her and the daughter, Madeline, uh, played by Bronte Carmichael, who mm-hmm. I thought was great as well. Super good. Um, you could have like cut to them by themselves at least one time. And just like, here's here here's what they're doing without him. We only get to see them after he like gets caught being there. And then Madeline throws like, you know, she gets all upset obvi- and rightfully so because yep. her father says, oh, I can't be there. And then, He's there mysteriously, and then she's like, "Why won't he like be here for me or do anything with me?" And mm-hmm. uh, we only get that one snippet right there, where Atwell finally gets to have some like character, and Joanne's just like, "You know what? 
stop studying. Go have some fun. Right. And Madeline's like, I'll play better and harder than any kid has ever played before. <laughs> and she's like, or you just have fun. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a sweet encounter, but like, it's the only part of the movie that actually gives just those two characters any time alone. And, yep. um, not that any of the stuff like with Christopher and the animals I'd want cut away, but if there's just that beginning section could have been trimmed down and added character to Atwell and Bronte in the middle to actually like beef up mm-hmm. the family dynamic of the movie. Right. And it would have been like, I found myself at the end of this movie thinking, Oh, I wonder what adventures they're going to go on next with yeah. the whole family together. Because I'm like, I wonder how Evelyn and Eeyore get along. Right. Evelyn and Piglet, or you know, um, Madeline and <laughs> my wife Evelyn. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a really my good running wife gag. Evelyn. Yes, uh, it goes on like yeah, the entire movie because I think it brings it back. I think he says it like he says it like right at, right at the end. Yeah, yeah. So it's like ah, oh, perfect. Um, so yeah, and like it gets a little, it gets a little crazy in the end, like during that wind up and they're mm-hmm. like, and but it's just rushing us towards the edge. And I'm like, I would have loved to have seen how they dealt with it mm-hmm. because they've never seen these characters before. Um, but I guess it, it's probably not. I mean, the more intriguing part is how Christopher takes Pooh being there, which is not well. No. And man broke my heart when he's yelling at him, when he's Ugh. screaming at him and telling him he knows nothing. Or I don't know the exact, remember the exact line, but he says, you don't know anything. Or, You're an empty headed yeah. bear. And I was like, oh, that is, I, I was like, I, I hate you yeah. at that moment. Even, that is, even if like Christopher tried to like redeem it at the end and he's like, I'm the one without a brain or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. You're still still being a little jerk to that yeah. bear earlier. You're all heart, I think, is what the the, the wrap up lines yeah. are for that. That was his. That was his Anakin Skywalker killing younglings <laughs> in the temple moment. Right? Yeah. Like you gave him the compass. I'm like, oh, it's all so sweet. And then he, poo, just oh man. It's like you. It's hard to hate that bear. Um, uh, but you know, uh, yeah. It's that, that's kind of what it is. Um, it's just there are elements in the beginning and end that are just completely uninteresting because they don't have any real substance Mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. And it's all kind of like generic character stuff. Like we've seen the absentee father who like doesn't pay enough attention to the kid a thousand times. And we're going to see it again this December with Mary Poppins. Right. Return to Mary Poppins. So like, they didn't again they didn't do anything to make this relationship different in any way other than like oh well then like she's the one trying to like save her dad's job and then mm-hmm. like there's all like the whole like she finds out that he said something really nice about her from somebody else and then he gets to finally say that to her at the end of the movie and it's just like yeah all of these cliche archetype stuff that we've seen so many times before that while by the end of the movie, like, oh, good. Like, they're they're reconnected, and I'm happy about that. But there's not, like, that extra, like, punch of, oh, yes. yes. I had that emotional attachment to their each of their characters that I wanted that relationship to get back together other than I'm just a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, it, was set up, it was set up to do that really well, I thought. Um, but if, if you would have needed to have taken the movie out 15 more minutes in a lot of ways to get the payoff that is promised. Mm-hmm with those chapters flipping through. Um, uh, 
One final thing I have, though, at least okay. on the sad spectrum for this, All right. is those vignettes in the middle of those chapters as they're mm-hmm. waiting for Christopher Robin to return. Yeah. And then eventually Piglet comes up and just kind of takes Pooh's hand as they walk just away. Drags him away. Yeah, that was pretty sad. Ah, uh, that, that, that crushed me. That crushed me to see that chubby little cubby <laughs> stuff with fluff <laughs> hang his head in disappointment. Yeah. Um, but uh, the CG in this movie is excellent like yeah all of the animals even though like rabbit and owl are designed to look like actual rabbits and owls mm-hmm. eeyore Pooh, piglet the kangaroo like they all look great as like and they're different than paddington like in a way where paddington looks like a real bear because he is a real yep. bear but like even though he's based on a toy bear mm-hmm. Pooh is a toy bear and he looks like a toy bear yep. and just like brought to life and i think uh all that stuff looks really great and it's just it's i don't know it's just fun to see those characters brought to life in this in this way and yeah um it made me because like seeing it on friday afternoon you know i'd already like seen some of like the reviews that are out for the movie okay. and it was like it seemed more like mixed than like positive and i was like man i really feel bad for somebody who like saw this movie and just didn't like have a good time with it like yeah it's not a perfect movie by any means but at the end of the day like it's going to leave you smiling for two thirds of it. So right. it's just like, Oh man, disappointing that more people aren't like, this is great. Yeah. Or this is fun or charming or sweet or whatever adjective you want to give the movie. I caught headlines before going in and I was like, Hmm, interesting. And then I got out and I'm like, what movie did those guys watch? Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, I understood like the aesthetic was different. But other than that, I still, I mean like it's, to run it's kind of run of the mill if you right. will a 60 percent on rotten tomatoes is way too low right i mean yeah it's not a it, this isn't a jungle book or like one of like the top tier like live action you know remakes disney's done mm-hmm. but it's like on the level of like a, of a peach dragon or something where it's like this is still really enjoyable it's got the family themes it's yeah. got the it's got the good fun action um it's and just I, a good time and a cast for that's going to be you know going on for ages and mm-hmm. ages for sure so yeah that, that was a little bit puzzling yeah for me but baffling i was flummoxed <laughs> i don't know other adjectives yeah uh do you have any other thoughts any any wrap-ups or anything for christopher robin that is all i have to say so um, i would love to see a sequel yeah um I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hater of saying, give me a sequel um, in a lot of ways, but I would love to see this story continue, but I know you're not going to be able to with the cast. Um, but also, eh, did you... Sure you can. Oh, man, getting Ian back? That was going to be a tough time. I mean, it's that Obi-Wan's movie is te- still dead or whatever. Yeah, that's that's the latest report. Keeping him on retainer. What uh, did you think of... This is the first Disney live-action f- movie that had a post credit scene. It did? You didn't stick around. I did not. You know how the marketing has had that still of them hanging out in lawn chairs, soaking up the sun? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually at the end of the film when they're all having a beach day. And none other than Richard M. Sherman is um, on the beach with a piano playing some of his classics. Okay, so I I saw that part of it. I didn't realize it extended all the way to the end of the credits. So I saw the beginning of like, oh, here's like some of like... Christopher Robin's like coworkers, they're having a beach day mm-hmm. and they're playing a tune. I'm like, ah, eh, whatever, I'll I'll leave. Like yeah. I'm not missing anything. It rolls but. all the way through. And there's just um the two other songs that he wrote for the movie yeah. for it. So yeah. All right. Fun little fact. 
Cool. Um, so yeah, easy recommendation for both of us here at Friends in Film. Um, hope you guys checked it out because if you didn't, then you listened to all of our spoiler stuff. And that's, I mean, I don't think we, it's not anything crazy twists that are going to no. ruin the movie for you, but. Pooh didn't kill anyone, <laughs> as it turns out. So. If that had happened, this would not have been a three and a half star or three and a half ticket stub movie at all. So, uh, but hopefully you guys have seen Chris Robert. If not, go check it out. And we'll be right back in a bit with the news. Most of all, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff. He's Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Willy nilly silly old bear. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Tubby little cubby all stuffed with fluff. He's Winnie the Pooh. back and now we will go into our main topics, starting with us retalking about the James Gunn situation because we did our we did our emergency episode talking about his firing and then discussing who could possibly replace him, what it means for the MCU moving forward, all that stuff. But this past week, there's been a lot of developments, you could say, potentially on the situation, um, mainly when the entire cast for the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise came out and revealed a letter all signed in support of James Gunn rehiring him, even though they didn't go as far as to say Disney need to rehire him. They're like, we are very encouraged by all the positivity around the movement to rehire James Gunn and basically putting their stance on siding with Disney, making the decision to rehire him. Um, Disney has not since not said anything on this. There was a report from Variety then that came out. There was like, well, sources say there's a growing feeling that maybe they could re that they'll rehire him. And then two additional senior editors at Variety came out with an article that said that they've heard that Disney is not expected to rehire James Gunn. Um, and that they haven't even really started the rehired, the process to hire a new director because they don't feel like they're in any rush to name a replacement. Um, and, uh, that Bob Iger is currently on vacation, so they want to obviously wait until the CEO is back stateside before they make any more decisions on this matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, I feel like there's more positivity towards rehiring Gun. I feel like there's more people on that side of this scenario than people who are still saying, no, you can't rehire him because of everything that happened with the firing, um, what caused that movement to happen what the fallout has meant so far already in just the two weeks that since it's happened um what do you make of the cast letter this variety report and mainly do you want to see james gunn brought back yeah so this is kind of this is uh, i've kind of come around i guess i think i know on the emergency episode i said i thought it was the right move i probably would have done it and everything like that Mm -hmm. um but like Disney, I was kind of being reactionary um, in a lot of ways. Uh, in the subsequent weeks after I came across, you know, a profile from BuzzFeed by um, Adam Avery, Adam Vary that came out right before Guardians 2 mm-hmm. came out. And it's just a really, he's, he pulls out and talks about all of this stuff, like right at face value. And you realize, yeah, what happened two, three weeks ago? Was it? Yeah, about two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago was being pulled out of context and just a part of a campaign to drum out a voice a, a voice that people didn't like and i am so happy to see this letter because i totally agree with a hundred percent of all that's in it mm-hmm. and um if you can't if you're not allowed to change and be a better 
person, then what's the point of anything? Right. You know, and like if you're going to be, I mean, yes, you should be punished for mistakes you made, but not mistakes 10 years ago that were a part of something satirical. Right. And an attempt to be. Or attempts to be funny yeah. and, you know, things, not, not, not actual vicious, malicious mm-hmm. acts. And to change something you said there, though, James, um, Chris Pratt actually, in his tweet with the letter mm-hmm. um, on it said, um, he's a good man. I'd personally love to see him reinstated as director okay. of Volume Three. So there was a he definitely did come out and, and say he Dave, would love to Dave have him Batista back. has been very, very vocal in saying this is idiocracy. Like Disney, you've made a huge mistake. Yeah, you must rehire James Gunn because the precedent it sets it sets for all of Hollywood moving forward. For not even just Hollywood, but just for the world in general, that you can get fired off a decade old tweet um, or multiple tweets in this instance. But yeah, I would also. I've also. I mean, when we did our emergency episode said, yeah, I feel like Disney made the decision they had to make at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was also because we recorded it like that night that it happened. So within like 30, 40 minutes of it. Um, So we, those are the, the initial reaction was still just that an initial reaction. You had time to really process a lot of this Um, and seeing all the different um, arguments for his hiring for him to stay fired, I think has really been interesting to read and um, kind of dive into the situation deeper. And yeah, I do think that Disney should rehire James Gunn, not only because the cast is in support of it, but like, it, I feel like this is like one of like the worst, you know, if, if guardians two had come out or if it was in the, about to come out and James Gunn was like, you know what, I'm just not going to do guardians three. Cause I've spent the last, you know, several years of my life devoted to the MCU. It's time for me to just, I need a break. I need to move on. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, okay, he's stepping away willingly. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 would be like one of like the hottest projects for a director to get. But now with a cast in total support of the director that was fired in their, in his vision, mm-hmm. uh, it's like one, it's a job that I feel like no director is going to want to take because yeah, who wants to come in and be like, oh yeah, I'll take over what James was doing. Like, even though I was saying, oh, hire Taika. Taika would be perfect. He would mm-hmm. be perfect. But I don't think Taika would do it because whether he'd be too busy to do it or not, it's just like that awkward thing of, I used to have a, you know, an office right next to James Gunn. He, we collaborated on my movie. We collaborated on these other things. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to take over his pet franchise yeah. and try to finish his version, but also his vision, but also do it in my own kind of way. It's that really weird scenario where even the Variety article said, uh, you know, they expect Disney to reach out to the the usual suspects of a Taika Waititi, the Russos, even a John Favreau. But prior commitments are probably going to hinder any of those names from actually taking over the movie. And so Disney's approach is instead, oh, we'll just wait to see what A-list talent comes to us. And I'm like, I don't like who you think Matthew Vaughn or somebody's going to come in and be like, hey, I want to do Guardians 3 because I want to do x y and z yeah i mean maybe maybe there's a director out there who views this as like the best scenario possible for them to get their foot in the door with marvel and take over and do something big and crazy but i feel like more directors who are at least on james gunn's level or at least around there are going to respect that guy Mm -hmm. and not be like yeah it'd be a great gig but i'm not taking over for you like i'm not doing that especially if they agree like that he shouldn't have been fired in the first place. So that's where that other kind of level of this whole thing comes into play. And yeah. uh, it's a really, I think, weird situation where 
I think the best scenario, whether Disney, you know, I, I get why Disney wouldn't want to say we were wrong because Disney's a very, I think, proud company, especially Bob Iger, Alan Horn, who was the one who made the public statement. But at the same time, I think this is the right move at this stage, unless there's something else going on that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. I feel like James Gunn being rehired is the best move for all parties involved. Yeah, I really do. And you see, the thing is, though, too, they wouldn't really even have to backtrack. Alan Horn, I mean, like we said, Iger was on vacay. Was he on vacay or is he about ready to go on vacay? I think he was about ready to go. Horn put out the statement. But I don't think Horn made that decision without talking to Bob Iger. Oh, he definitely talked to Bob Iger. Um, And Alan Horn said so, or at least a report Mm -hmm. said that he conferred with um, Iger. But Horn's name's on the press release. Mm -hmm. Feige and uh, Iger could easily come out and say... um, after deliberation and thoughts and speaking with Gunn and, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He's a better person now. Something that we all know, everyone in the industry knows now. You could you could bring him back in. Um, I mean, it would be a shareholder thing. Yeah. But Bob Iger is out in 2020 uh, or 2022. Yeah, because he's extending his deal because of the Fox merger. Yeah. So, so. he'll stay past 2020 and if he's staying past the election period which is why he would was reportedly wanted to get out of that scenario anyways mm-hmm. he could run for president then he doesn't have any pressing need to get out to like 2022 2023 right to run for president for 2024 yeah. if that's still what he wants mm-hmm. i think he's pulling out because bloomberg is sweeping in but that's no. that's not whatever <laughs> um so yeah i i just think i think there's a runway Mm-hmm. There's a lane open for them to come back. And that's a great point, though. Yeah, I never even considered it's kind of a toxic project. So you'd have to have someone with some big cone has to mm-hmm. want to come up here and say, no, I I can handle this. Yeah. And whether series. whether that'd be an A-list director, like let's say Christopher Nolan was like, oh, I'm a huge fan of the Guardians franchise. I want to come in and do it, which never mm-hmm. can happen. But like you need a guy on that level to be like for the rest of the cast. Be like, okay, like I'm going to listen to Christopher Nolan. But if it's like a newbie. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's never directed uh, a big budget movie before. They just did a Sundance hit or something. That cast is going to like be looking at them like, you better not screw this up because our futures depend on it. Your future definitely depends on it. And we had, you know, X, Y, and Z plotted out. And that's what we want to see these characters go. Or so. just to look at them and say, you're not James Gunn. Right. What are you doing? And like, no, you don't understand these characters like I do. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm the director. I'm doing the, do, taking it in this direction. And then like, I feel like there'd be potential for such a feud that it just wouldn't be good for the project. Um, and even the MC's future, because then, you know, if Pratt's unhappy with three and Gunn's fine, maybe he doesn't want to re-up his contract, and then you're out Pratt for phase four, five, and six. And it's just, I think, a really messy situation. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what obviously plays out, because if Disney hasn't started the rehiring process yet, that's why we haven't heard any names of, like, who could take over. Um, we haven't heard anything from Kevin Feige. I mean, Kevin Feige does report to Alan Horn, so Kevin Feige doesn't have the power to overturn horn's decision um but if he goes to Iger's, like i personally met with james gunn last week Mm -hmm. talked about all this stuff i feel like you guys should meet with him again and just talk about it and really reconsider hiring him because he's going to be big on guardians 3 but also he's going to help us produce these other 17 movies that are coming in the next 20 years and it'd be it'd be a tough scenario even if he can't come back they should just bring him back as producer in an advisory role let him write let him point directions because i mean yeah, i don't know but i think the thing i said though um still stands from the sh- uh, reaction show was just 
this I don't, he's he's gonna be fine I yeah mean, industries i don't think we're gonna be see people swerving off of gun um, no projects yeah. are gonna be fine and it's just a lame thing yeah and i think i said in the emergency episode like oh we probably won't hear much from gun for a year i don't think that's the case anymore like i feel like at this point if disney doesn't rehire him like wb or somebody will come and be like hey you want to do green lantern and yeah. he'll be like uh sure or something you know mm-hmm. james gunn will still be a very prolific director in hollywood moving forward yeah. so let's move on to another chris pratt potential franchise with the hard reporter revealing that priyanka chopra will play the female lead opposite of chris pratt in universal's cowboy ninja viking uh she will reportedly be the love interest for chris pratt and she is the first uh cast member to join alongside pratt this movie is directed by michelle mclaren it's got a june 28th 2019 release date currently uh josh d do you like this addition for her and kind of taking this next step up into being like a potential big Hollywood star because she was doing Quantico. That was her show, right? Yep. Which just ended. It just had series finale. So her schedule's free. Uh, she was in Baywatch last year as the mm-hmm. villain. Now she's getting this big step up for a career. Do you think it's a good move? Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's been in lots of movies mm-hmm. that I've never heard of. Like, all the way through until landing on Quantico and then, yeah, Baywatch, which was my first um, interaction with her. Or first time seeing her on screen, not interaction. Yeah. Um, because initially I confused her for Ava Mendez, oh. uh, which is bad. Um, but she's great mm-hmm. in Baywatch. Uh, so tossing her in a big-budget movie with one of the most charismatic stars um, to play off of mm-hmm. is going to, um, you know, put her on a skyrocket for her career. Yeah. Uh, and just in the ridiculousness nature of cowboy, ninja, <laughs> Viking, astronaut, spaceman, Star Wars. Yeah, assassin. Whatever the yeah. case is. Um, that's going to be really cool. And she is and she is um, rather effervescent mm-hmm. in Baywatch. Like she's being, um, what's the word? I want to say deliciously evil. Like she's playing it with a, um, I know this movie is kitschy already, so I'm going to have fun with the character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think she makes a perfect addition to this, even if it is in the good guy role, which will carry over, I think, perfectly. Yeah, yeah, she will. If they base it on the comics, um, she will play the character named Sarah Nix, who is basically the assistant to the guy that creates uh, these triplets, who are the people with three different personalities, like the one Chris Pratt will play. So, uh, it sounds like an interesting role. It sounds like she'll be with Chris Pratt through most of the movie as she kind of travels with him to wrangle up the other triplets. And uh, hopefully she gets to be more than just the love interest because I did like what she did in Baywatch is kind of like the uh, like side eye, like, mm, like I have a, I have an evil mysterious plan that you don't know about. And she didn't get a lot to do in that movie, but I still liked what I saw from her. So seeing her kind of take on a bigger role in a, a, a potential big franchise, I think, is a very good move for her. Huh. Fun fact from her IMDb page, though. Um, she was the voice of Kamala Khan oh. and Miss Marvel in the Marvel Avengers Academy video game. Well, if that movie ever happens, she maybe she could play like the mom. That would be very cool. She, I mean, or she could just find some other superhero role that's well, not yeah. taken. Yeah, I mean, yes, that would be great, too. I'm just saying she's too old to play Kamala Khan because Kamala Khan is like a 12-year-old, so... Oh yeah, that would be a break from the tradition. <laughs> can't can't really go that right. Even though like and like Mindy Kaling wants to be involved in Miss Marvel movie, Riz Ahmed does. Like Kumail, like there's a 
whole bunch of talent that could be involved in that potential movie. So um, another movie that got a lot of talent this week was courtesy of a report from Deadline, which said that Fox acquired the rights to the McDonald's Monopoly scam movie, uh, which is based on an article that was published this past week by the Daily Beast Mm -hmm. that told the story of this guy who basically rigged the McDonald's Monopoly system. So he kept winning and he became super rich off of it. And then the cows found out and then he's like involved in all this bunch, a whole bunch of different things. And the movie version is going to be directed by Ben Affleck starring Matt Damon. So it's a goodwill hunting uh, reunion here. And uh, it'll be written by Paul Warnick and Rhett Reese, the guys behind Deadpool. So this is a lot of talent. And just to kind of show how much heat was on this project, they beat out packages that included one from Universal that was going to star Kevin Hart, one from WB that was going to be directed by John Requa and Glenn Ficarra and star Steve Carell, and then a Netflix package that had Todd Phillips attached and Rob Downey Jr. I don't know if Rob Downey Jr. was going to star because it also mentioned his wife, Susan Downey, mm-hmm. um, so it may have just been their production studio. But either way, that is like some of the biggest names in Hollywood going after the story. It is one of the craziest stories to break recently this movie, this cast, the I mean, the director, it is uh, fascinating. It is a movie that instantly, to me, is it's like screams, make it like right now, have it come out next year because mm-hmm. you don't want to sit on this too long. Right. Um, I think this is potentially just a fascinating story to see on the big screen and has all the talent attached you need to make it uh, potentially one of the year's best films whenever it comes out. It is the 21st century equivalent of The Godfather or the other movie by Martin Scorsese, which I can't even think of at this time. Goodfellas. Like that oh. is, that is how nuts this movie is. Um, and I've read the story by Jeff Manish mm-hmm. and it's even, it is just so intricate and wild in the conclusion. The finale of it all is the FBI showing up uh, spoilers. The FBI <laughs> is showing up at the door masquerading as McDonald's mm-hmm. ready to, you know, pull the plug on this monopoly scam, million dollar monopoly scam. And it, um, yeah, it, it's going to be so crazy. Uh, Michael Hoover is the guy who ultimately is get caught up into mm-hmm. it or who gets the final hammer brought down on him. Um, as well as everything else. So that that's who Matt Damon will play. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's there's also some other, plenty of other like mm-hmm. really big characters who take central roles, and they all just kind of combine and weave in through each other. So so I would not be surprised if like those packages, like those stars jump ship and swim over mm-hmm. to like this Maybe. thing. Maybe could you? I could Steve Carell would be perfect for this thing. I mean the guy. Yeah. I mean any. I mean the Kevin Hart one. I was like I don't know. It was an interesting take. It would it would have been because I think it, it definitely. But that's that's the weird thing about this package, especially for it's a uh, Universal or no, this is Fox. Um, that like it has like oh this screams dramatic with Ben Affleck directing and Matt Damon starring, but then it also has Paul Warnock and Reese writing it, which mm-hmm. is more like not to say they can't do that kind of work, but we know them from Deadpool and like Zombieland. Yeah. So. This is either going to be a very different take for them in their scriptwriting careers, or this is like the signals that this isn't going to be just like this is like an Argo or something. This is going to be more like a fun kind of Wolf of Wall Street type of movie where it's like, here's this crazy adventure and it's going to have fun, but it's also going to be greatly directed, great performances, uh, tight, funny, witty scripts, and hopefully it all comes together nicely. Um, it sounds like, because like, there's so many characters in the story, it mm-hmm. sounds like the Kevin Hart thing was like a Jerome Jacobson 
take on it and things okay. like that. So yeah, so all of these people are all just kind of like coming at it from different angles, grabbing stars mm-hmm. left and right, like you know a fire sale. Like right. who can we get? Go 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 well, go. I mean, yeah, because the deal closed in two days after the story published. Yeah, this came out on Sunday morning, I think, last week, right? Or no, the yeah, Daily Sunday Beast morning. story. I'm not yeah. sure, but like, yeah, the the deal closed for the movie on like Thursday or something. So, uh, it is absolutely crazy. Um, we will move on to ticket or skip it. And this week, there's only two. Mo- there's only two trailers we can possibly give a ticket to. We can only give a ticket. We only give one ticket each, either to the third Venom trailer, uh, or the first trailer for Barry Jenkins's If Beale Street Could Talk. Josh, which movie? Is getting your oh, ticket. I'm, uh, I'm giving it to Be- if Beale Street could talk, uh, hands down. I don't need to discuss the turn in the wind from Venom. Oh, I think we need to discuss. Okay, it. well, we can give some we can give some notes on it. But I'm so curious to see what Barry Jenkins is doing next, mm-hmm. and he's going with um, the James Baldwin book of the same name, and the whole trailer is just so quiet and. I mean, I, I don't. It's intriguing. I mean, there's a lot going on, a lot that's out of context, but also mm-hmm. just these interesting little um, vignettes of moments in people's lives mm-hmm. in what it looks like New York City or Chicago. Uh, Harlem. Harlem. Okay, yeah. So New York City, and um, it looks like it's going to get into the gritty aspects of some mm-hmm. of this stuff that I don't think we've really seen put to film recently um and it's certainly not from the perspective that barry jenkins is going to bring to yeah. it and there's an interesting moment just in the, that close opens and closes the trailer where you know something's gone wrong or mm-hmm. something bad has happened and it's just that struggle to bring it up and uh I, it, it looks like it's going to be another like shattering yeah. shattering character drama mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm really interested in it yeah, I'm also going to give my ticket to if Beale Street Could Talk um, because really liked Moonlight from mm-hmm. last year, uh, right? Or was it two years ago? Two years ago. It came out two years ago, but the Oscars it was, it was, it was, it was for the 2016 award season In that came to the 2017 Oscars. Yes. Yes. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, like the opening and closing – is of it's Kiki Lane mm-hmm. who's like the new star of this movie and she's like trying to tell her mom I'm assuming is Regina King uh something I don't know if it's about the pregnancy I feel like that's what it is that like she got pregnant and that's just not going over well with her mom but she's got to tell her anyways because I was just going to find out and like it's that conversation trying to bring up that you've become pregnant and like that's a potentially i mean i i don't know this but i feel like that's a very difficult conversation to have with somebody especially if you're not necessarily supposed to be getting pregnant at this stage in your life or the circumstances that are surrounding right it. like there's so much going on so yeah because then steven steven james is the star or the other star of the movie who i'm a big fan of uh, from his movie race who played jesse owens the olympic uh uh, athlete, athlete. Yeah, I wanted to say racer, Ohio and I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, that's not the correct term I'm looking for. But um, they are like a couple in the movie, and then he is, you know, taken away to prison, and so then uh, Kiki's trying to prove his innocence, and like all this stuff isn't necessarily obvious from the trailer, but still, like the the tension that Barry Jenkins is able to draw out of this with very little dialogue, uh, mainly just the vignettes of very brief 
parts of somebody's life um blew away the venom trailer which had a like you mentioned a line about turds and some uh not great CG at the end and a trailer that also looked like it showed me a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a pretty easy decision to hand my ticket to if Beale street could talk at this point. Yeah. Um, we, we could throw stones at the Venom trailer, <laughs> but I mean, there's just really not a lot to say about that either. Yeah. I mean, um, we will talk about Venom more in a couple of weeks whenever we do our, or potentially talk about more when we do our, most anticipated for the fall list see yep. if venom makes it on there and if it is where it falls and at based on our reaction so far if beale street could talk it certainly has a case to make it into that list as well um, but let's move on to the flyby to wrap up the show here and we're going to start with a report from deadline that they revealed that rebecca ferguson uh falling coming off of her mission impossible fallout uh fame is now joining sony's men in black spinoff she's described as the female lead opposite of chris hemsworth Weird question is, Tessa Thompson was also described as the female that she was cast. Yeah. One of them has to be the villain. I'm assuming it's Rebecca Ferguson. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, great. Yeah. Because I want to see Rebecca Ferguson make that uh, villainous turn. She also is going to be the villain in the Doctor Sleep movie um, as Rose the Hat or something, which is also confirmed this past week. But we're not going to talk about it in depth here. But uh, Rebecca Ferguson joined anything after Mission Possible. Great. She is the latest A-lister to join this Men in Black spinoff. And this movie is shaping up so well that uh, whether she's the villain or another member of the team, I don't care. It's more Rebecca Ferguson, and that's great. Yeah, her roles in Fallout are the best, I think she has. She's good in Girl in the Train and Greatest Showman. Um, the snowman and life are what they are. Uh, <laughs> but it's, this is going to be a role where she's going to be able to have fun, and I think she's having fun in those Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. So whether she's evil or good, um, we're going to get to see a side of Ferguson that we haven't really gotten before because this is going to be a whole lot looser mm-hmm. than fallout so i'm excited for that uh then thr reported that glenn powell is joining top gun maverick after all even though he lost the role of goose's son to miles teller he impressed tom cruise and company so much that they are beefing up a role just for him to play we don't know what the role is no but glenn powell is in top gun too <laughs> this is great news i'm so happy for you I'm happy for Glenn Powell. I'm, and I, hope, um, I think he is probably happy for me because I'm happy for him. And yeah. it's just a happy uh, circle that we're just, we're happy for everybody. Congratulations, you guys. <laughs> uh, I'm coming around on Powell. Uh, I didn't have some, I, I just wasn't sold on him and set it up. And I didn't just thought, I'm like, I don't know about this dude. But the more I've sat on and I'm like, yeah, he seems like a fun dude. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to get after his other roles. Yes. And then everybody wants some. Just jump on the train. Uh, yeah, so very happy for this. And then Craven, according to Collider, Equalizer 2 scribe Richard Wank has been hired by Sony to write the Craven Hunter solo movie. So this movie is still happening as of right now. Again, this is all kind of contingent on, well, if Venom sucks and doesn't make money, right? this Silver and Black, um, the, what's the Jared Leto one? Uh, Mobius. Morbius. Morbius. None of those are going to happen if Venom is terrible. Yeah. So, cool. Good job, Richard Wank. You've got a gig for a couple of months at mm-hmm. least. And if Venom's great, then you have a script for a very big movie in Hollywood. So, good on you. Yeah, he's getting paid for it. I mean, so, he's all set. So, right from Equalizer, right into there. Great synergy by Sony mm-hmm. and great for Wreck. So, cool. Yeah, but I mean, you weren't impressed with Equalizer 2 necessarily in the script department, so... 
Uh, yeah, I mean, not it, the best start possibly for Craven. I think, I think it lost some stuff in the editing, and we could Fair. see that from the trailers mm-hmm. and all sorts of things like that, where there's a lot more to the story that was shot and mm-hmm. pulled out. Okay, um, Space Jam Two, according to the rap, is now in advanced talks to get Terrence Nance to direct the movie. Justin Lin was previously attached as the director, but he has since walked away from the project because of his commitments to the Fast and Furious franchise, where he's going to direct Fast 9 and Fast 10. Uh, Nance previously directed the Sundance hit in oversimplification of her beauty. Not familiar with this guy at all, but cool. Good for him. Uh, Personally, after seeing Uncle Drew, Charles Stone III, I feel like it would have been a really good pick. He's already got connections with some NBA stars too, so easily could have brought them together and made Lil Rel Howery the new Bill Murray character in this. Um, mm-hmm. Could have been a great choice, but I'm interested to check out Nance's work and figure it out. Maybe this is just news that LeBron really loved playing with Larry Nance. That He was like, I need ter- I need a Nance for Space Jam. So Terrence Nance, it is your gig. He's not the son of him, is he? No. no? Okay, sorry. <laughs> maybe, right. they're, maybe they're distant cousins or something. I yeah, don't know. It, it's kind of a weird... At face value, it's an interesting choice mm-hmm. because I'm looking at the body of work here just in terms of like what they're titled and some of these stills from them. Nothing suggests Space Jam level of fun. It looks like very serious, mm-hmm. um, intellectual character stuff. And I'm like, wow, okay. This is good. But if they think he's got it, he's got it. I mean, so uh, I'm... Space Jam 2 is what I'm more excited about. Yeah. I'll get excited about Nance further down the road once I dive into what this guy is possible of. Because he can pivot to whatever he mm-hmm. wants. A good creator is a good creator. But uh, Space Jam 2, it's happening. I'm yes. excited. Uh, Glow star Mark Marin also joined the cast of Joker this week as first reported by, by Variety. Marone, or Marin has since confirmed that he is, in fact, joining this role. And he is going to play the booking agent for Robert De Niro's talk show in the film. So... He's the latest star to join this movie. Big fan of Glow. Big fan of him because of Glow. Mm-hmm. So this is great news. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I liked Mark Maron when he was just on the podcast before Glow. When he was on our podcast? No, when he was just on <laughs> his podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The WTF. I mean, if you want to come on board, Mark, oh, you can be to. a friend to Friends in Film any day you want. <laughs> I don't know if you give it. He'd probably hate us. Probably. Because um, he, he is as grumpy. He's not, he's not grumpy, but... Uh, He's he's a, he's an interesting dude. You're I, not. He's a he's a nice guy. Okay, let's not let's not offend him in any way. Yeah, <laughs> just no, in please case. come on. Yeah, just in case we're still open to it, Mark. Um, but this is great. I'm I'm very happy about this. This movie is grabbing a list talent all across the board, mm-hmm. and it's really going for the old uh, old timey cigarettes and <laughs> comedy club kind of style routine. Yes, it is. Imagining Mark just spit venom at Joker in some kind of way that I know it's going to happen, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, then Deadline reported this week that Fox is developing a prequel to The Sandlot with original writer-director David Mickey Evans set to be involved. He's going to co-write the movie with Austin Reynolds, and the film will revolve around the legend that made the Beast who the Beast is in the original Sandlot movie, which Josh has no memory of because he's never seen The Sandlot. No. So, do you have any interest in a Sandlot prequel? Maybe after I see it for the first time, but other than that, no. I mean, I know you're killing me, Smalls, or something like that, and <laughs> yeah. that's about it. It's like the Goonies meets baseball, right? Sure. Okay. I'll get to it, but is this good or bad? I love the Sandlot, 
but I don't need a I don't need a prequel to it. Okay. I mean, it's just an, I'm guessing it'll just be another late '80s, early '90s set, you know, movie based on kids playing baseball mm-hmm. in the backyard, and then they lose some balls to the beast, and now the beast is born somehow. But it's just like why, like Hollywood make other things other than prequels, especially about an a dog from a baseball movie that is <laughs> at best, I think, a cult favorite more than like an actual like this is like a staple of hollywood and like children sports movies at this point so uh it doesn't feel like a very great concept at this point but who knows maybe they've got a great idea turned out and it'll turn out to be great so uh sticking with the dog theme though variety reported that kiersey clemens is joining lady and the tramp and she will play lady's owner uh, she is the first human star to join Disney's live-action remake that is heading to their streaming service. I'm a big fan of Kiersey Clemens, so her joining this, good news. It continues to get Disney involved with the dope community, uh, where they right. they got Rick Famuyiwa on board last week for uh, today, mm-hmm. and now they're getting Kiersey Clemens involved. Next, they just got to get the star who I'm totally blanking on his name right now for whatever reason. And it's really frustrating because he's going to be in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as the lead role. And Shameek Moore. Shameek Moore. Oh my gosh. Um, but hopefully it's all just leading to them just pulling all the talent from dope, just like they did. And they already have Tony Revolori involved with Spider-Man. I, know, I was so, going to say Tony Revolori. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully this is them doing what they did with Creed and just taking a great movie and plucking all of the great pieces and just using it for the MCU, then, Disney live action movies, whatever. Yeah. And then from here, you just bring Kiersey Clemens over to Famuyiwa's Project 80 and then you yeah, go from there. That'd be great. Day. Yeah. Uh, and we're gold. Yeah. So uh, we also got new images this week from Wonder Woman 1984 and Terminator. The one for Wonder Woman 84 was courtesy of Patty Jenkins, where she revealed the first look at Pedro Pascal. And then Paramount reve- revealed the uh, very first image from Terminator, starring Isabel Reyes, Mackenzie Davis, and Linda Hamilton. Uh, either of these photos necessarily stick out to you? Yeah. Pedro Pascal has some sweet hair. He looks like I don't know what he's doing there or what's yeah what the word is, but it's interesting. Um, the Terminator one's fine. It almost looks incredibly photoshopped. Yeah, but everyone in there looks really ba. Mm-hmm. So I'm here for it. You're Marty. here for Mackenzie Davis's like weird scars and everything. Yeah, she's a robot though, right? She she I don't think she's she's not a Terminator, but she's clearly like cybernetically enhanced or something yeah so uh i, I don't know I'm, just, I'm really intrigued by both these movies right now and i just want them to next year is so far away but next year is also just so packed when we do our most anticipated 2019 list oh it's gosh. gonna have to be like our top 25 Star because Wars. there's just there's just too much coming out in 2019 that is not just gonna, gonna be include festival films that were like nope. oh intriguing no, that's weird, it's like there's literally like 20 blockbusters that are like this is one of my most distant movies of the year. This mm-hmm. would be my number one any other year, but 2019 is just loaded with things, so it's 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 crazy. Um, last thing we'll touch on here real quick. Oh, I should probably say my thoughts. Yeah, did you like um, I am cool with the Pedro Pascal one. It doesn't do anything for me. It's just like, hey, yeah, Pedro Pascal's in this movie. It doesn't reveal anything about his character. Maybe he's Maxwell Lord. Who knows? That's just speculation at this point. Um, and then the Paramount one is like, okay, cool. Got to see the cast. They all look cool. Um, Linda Hamilton looks great. Yes. And uh, just want to see like uh, an actual image from the movie at this point instead of like the photoshopped promotional like p- 
poster still thing at this stage. So mm-hmm. those, we'll wait and see. Those random set photos are way cooler to me than yes. this was. I'll say that. Absolutely. So the last thing we have here is a report from Collider where they revealed that Warner Brothers is diving back into the DC uh, universe with Lego movie, Lego Batman movie writer Jared Stern set to write and direct a Super Pets animated movie, which is going to be an animated movie based on the pets of DC superheroes. So they're really doubling down on this DC stuff, understandably so. I get it. Mm-hmm. Super Pets, though, not interested at this point. As Andy would say, it's an intriguing concept. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you, what, you think you just told me before we started the show, the number's on. Um, the Teen Titans go to the mm-hmm. movie. Movie. Yeah, Teen Titans go to the movie. And it's, it was ten, $10 million on a $10 million budget. Yeah, that yeah. was just its opening weekend. So what it's made in the last week, it's it's profitable i assume at this point yeah they had all the tech right there ready to go voices and etc so yeah they're they're sitting pretty with they're realizing their animation is gold lego batman did so much and now it's time to cash in with superhero pets Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if it gets shelved or dumped though but go for it yeah i mean make your money maybe this is just one of their like direct to DVD digital uh, DC movies, but I feel like it'll be more in the van of Teen Titans go to the movies and just be like a five to $10 million yeah. 2d animated movie cost, but again, five to $10 million and then mm-hmm. it'll come out. And so far Teen Titans go to the movies has made $18.7 million worldwide, it's a good return. but it's only made a million dollars internationally. So I don't know what the rollout is like over there, if it's delayed or whatever, but it's going to be profitable to a certain degree. It's just not going to be like, you know, yeah. uh, an actual the Lego movie or Lego Batman movie or anything to those degrees. So um, as long as WB has tempered expectations for it, it'll be fine. Good, good voice cast. Sure to be do something well. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode, though. And next week, we're going to return with a review of The Meg. Josh, are you interested in The Meg at this point? Or is this more like I, I am forcing you to go see this movie because you're on this podcast? Um, no, it's not that last one. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by The Meg. It just looks um, it just looks like mindless shark. It looks like a mindless shark movie. Mm-hmm. I won't have to think. I'll just let Rain Wilson, you know, string me along mm-hmm. with one-liners and observations about Jason Statham's mood and attitude and watch a giant shark eat a bunch of surfers will it be better than any of the jaws sequels Uh, yes it'll definitely be better than every jaws sequel because every jaws sequel is they're they're pretty bad yeah Yeah. i mean not one of them is good so i don't know if i can comfortably say that it'll be better than any of the jaws sequels just because i don't really have (laughs) very high expectations for meg at this point okay um it's going to be i i'm guessing a very difficult movie to write a written review about because i'm just not sure what i'm going to say about it whether it's great or it's terrible because i just feel like it's a very one one note movie i know what i'm getting mm-hmm. so writing 600 couple or 600 700 words on this is going to be uh one of the greatest challenges of my life <laughs> more than taking go. down the meg so uh <laughs> stay tuned for that review we'll also be back this week with an actual big question and staying on the mission impossible train we're going to give our picks for who should direct mission impossible 7 because it's definitely coming. The movie is doing very, very well at the box office and hasn't even opened in China yet. So uh, it is going to make Paramount a lot of money. It's only going to be a matter of time before they re-up this thing and get a seventh installment movement. So we're going to throw out a lot of names, a lot of potential choices that Paramount could go with, whether it's Macquarie or Macquarie Passes, and they have to hand the torch off to somebody else. We'll have plenty of options for them at this point. So 
That brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share, reach you and more. Plus, have iTunes, and as Josh said at the top of the show, leave us a review because that would greatly help out the show. It just gives us a little more notoriety. It helps people find us easier. And, you know, in certain instances, in certain special weeks, we'll get do giveaways. So uh, keep an eye out for those as well. Um, but that is it. You can find us and tell us your thoughts on everything covered by us at Friends of Film. And find me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Cooper underscore Hoops. And me, just Josh Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh, thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our view of The Meg.